Welcome to Church Media HQ. My name is Luke Clayton, and I'm so glad that you've joined us today. Before we get into today's episode, I do want to remind you to take a moment to subscribe. We're available wherever you listen to podcasts, if it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or somewhere else. Just take a moment to subscribe, and if you're watching on YouTube, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. That way, whenever we put out new content, you will be the first to know. And if you are watching on YouTube or even Facebook, please take a moment to like this video because that helps us get seen by other church leaders like you. And if you're feeling really generous and you really want to be a huge help, it would mean so much to us if you took a moment and left us a review uh, on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to podcasts. Maybe make it a five star if if you're a really nice guy. But we really do want to know what you think about it. And again, when you review, when you rate uh, the podcast, it helps this get seen by other church church leaders so that they know. So if it's been a help to you, then that is a big way that you can be a help to us. Well, today's conversation is with Brian Sams. Brian Sams is a pastor at River City Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida. He's been there for a few years now, and he has really uh, transformed his church for the better. Brian Sams is an excellent communicator, and he's really a very great leader, and he's got a lot of insight on media marketing, but really church in general, and I think you're going to be helped by today's conversation, so let's get right to our conversation with Brian Sams. I guess a uh, long way around of me getting to asking you the question, I'm, I'm bringing up the conversation of um, how can preaching uh, be something that is that is attractive to people, not saying you, you tailor the truth in order to, you, you know, to, to meet people's expectations or whatever, but mm-hmm. how could it be something that we use, if you will, to to make our church seem appealing and more attractive, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah, sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna hit it from a few angles, and if you need me to fill in some gaps, you just let me know. I would say first of all, from a philosophical perspective, and how I'm promoting church, I want to start there because here's the thing: um, people, and I don't. I'm gonna miss a quote here. Maybe you could look it up and put it in show notes later, but. I want to say 80% of people go to church, and the main reason they go to church is for what they call the message. Mm. They're, they're coming. People that are coming to your church are predominantly coming because, because of the preaching. Now, mm-hmm. the sad reality is you might be completely missing that altogether. You might be yeah. thinking that it's one reason or the other. If, you're, if your preaching is not sound and solid, uh, that, at some point people are going, they're going to exit stage left when they find somebody that is preaching. So... How we promote that, man, I mean, if you were to look at our social media feeds, probably the predominant thing you're going to see on there is the teaching courses that we offer and the subject matter of the preaching that's coming Mm -hmm. up. I mean, everybody knows what I'm doing. Everybody in Jacksonville, no doubt, well, that would even know that we're here, knows that I am preaching the life of Jesus Christ on Sunday mornings. I started back in the summer at the Incarnation and I'm currently in the Sermon on the Mount, and our people are gobbling it up, man. I am, and and I've already told them this is probably going to take me four years to wow. preach through the life of Jesus, and they love it. And we make a huge, in fact, we make such a big deal of it that out front we have this big tower at, on the front of our auditorium 
that faces our four-lane highway. Mm-hmm. And all it says is, is you know, you're invited or be our guest. I think one of the banners, probably a 20-foot by 10-foot banner, it says, you know, be our guest Sunday morning at 10 or whatever, and it has our website on it. The other banner, which is also 20 feet long by 10 feet tall, mm-hmm. hanging on the front, I mean, you, nobody can miss it. All it says is this, we preach Christ. That's all it says. That is our message. It's not uh, church for people who don't like church. It's not Mm -hmm. contemporary worship. It's not family-friendly kid ministries available. It is, what are we doing at this church? We preach Christ. Mm -hmm. And our church knows it. And I, I tell you, man, I think it builds our guest clientele because my church knows that if they bring a guest on Sunday, they're not going to get some clown show. They're not going to get some spectacle. They're mm-hmm. going to get their pastor preaching Jesus every Sunday morning. Yeah. And here's the cool thing, too. The cool thing about it is our services are actually lopsided. You might think we're the most boring church in town because we have two Sunday morning services. They last 55 minutes, and there's only 15 minutes of music. Wow. And that's all we do. We come in, I mean, I can tell you, it's it's repeatable every Sunday. We come in, we sing three hymns, and I preach. Hmm. We don't even do, we don't do special music. We don't have a choir. We don't, we don't do anything. We have yeah. a, we have a praise team. Uh, we have a guitarist. We have a bass player. We have a cajon, well, we're working on a cajon player. We've got a few singers. We've got a couple keyboards, and they lead congregational singing. For about 15 minutes, and then I preach every single Sunday. In fact, one of our services, the 9:30 service, doesn't we don't even offer nurseries. Um, it's just that's all we got is worship. At at 11, there's nurseries and and kids ministry up through fifth grade. And the only reason I even do that is because I think in our culture, uh, guests, new people to church would be really challenging for them to just bring their small children into the auditorium. So I'm 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 not like I'm not against nurseries and stuff, but we don't promote that. We don't promote, yeah. you know, we've got the most vibrant children's ministry because the very fact is we don't. Mm-hmm. Um we don't have the most happening thing in town. We have we have a great youth group, we have great children's teachers, but our church knows that the engine that drives the train is my pulpit ministry, and I think that's the most important thing a pastor could do. Now, I want to hit it from a second angle here because I think this is super important. If a pastor is listening to this episode, I would hope that they would take away from this their need to evaluate, improve, refine, perfect, and sharpen the skill of preaching. The Bible is very clear that if you are a pastor, you should be apt to teach, and you should also be able to, by sound doctrine, convince the gainsayers. You are to be a man of the word. Uh, I think we have done our world a tremendous disservice by having pastors that have adapted a CEO model rather than a shepherding model. Hmm. And look, I am not operating a business here. That's not my thing. Now, business needs to be operated. But I'm not operating business. I've got a guy that operates business. I just had an hour and a half meeting with him today before I got on this podcast. Mm-hmm. I was asking him questions about the budget that probably third graders ask. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> But I, there's something I need to happen in the church, and I was analyzing from him 
some of our spending, some of our some of our overage. And I told him basically I wanted to repurpose some budget, uh, reallocate some budget resources for our worship team because there's some things they need. Well, to be honest with you, Luke, that's about the extent of me and money at our church. That's about all I do. I'll wake up one day and go, you know what? Uh, we need in-ear monitors for our singers, and we need some iPads for our musicians. So I know I need that. Now let me go talk to the guys that know how to make that happen. So, yeah. man, I'm a preacher, man. That's what I believe God's called me to do. And if you, if if preaching is like down on the list, way down on the list of things you do during the week, and you find yourself getting overcrowded with administration and budgets and finances and staff meetings and all these CEO things, then you're probably not doing a very good job of preaching. I'll just say it like this. If you're hiring other people to study for you, you're not a preacher, okay? Mm. And I know you can edit any of this out that you feel would be appropriate to edit out. But the no, fact no, we're, is, we're man— pretty un, We're pretty raw here, so— uh. <laughs> Hey, listen, man, I, get, I can't—that I, stuff I can't handle. I, yeah. I am telling you. And it, it shows up in the pulpit. It shows up in the pulpit. Yeah, no, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. No, um, because I, I see— uh, I see this happen and with multiple churches that I've worked with, you know, that I've gotten been able to get close with their their staff or, or their pastor. And I see that exact exactly what you're talking about happen. Now, I, I guess I could be playing devil's advocate here or just mm-hmm. kind of asking you your opinion. Yeah. Um, what what would you say to the pastor uh, who is very gifted in the administrative area? Like mm-hmm. they're just very gifted with leadership and, and, and whatnot. And so, you know, because I, I know just, you know, as a business owner, not a pastor, but, you know, uh, you can get very, you know, to me, a lot of what uh, I, I try. And again, I do not want to uh, sound like I'm saying, oh, I know how it is to be a pastor. But a lot of my job is creating content, uh, right. which uh, to some extent, if on a technical sense, that's what a pastor is doing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, a lot of times, though, I really do love and I feel I have some gift for the business administration side of things. So mm-hmm. sometimes I get really caught up in that. And yeah, sometimes my content creation gets sacrificed because of that. Um, Mm -hmm. And so what would you say to that pastor out there who, man, they just feel like, hey, but but I'm really gifted at this. This is something I'm good at. Yeah. I would tell them to go be an executive pastor and give somebody Mm -hmm. else the responsibility to be a lead pastor. That's what I would tell them. I believe scripturally, I mean, there's no argument here. There's zero argument here. A pastor is called a bishop, an elder, and and a pastor, a shepherd. And it does represent the areas of responsibility that a pastor has. It does not represent how a pastor should divide his time. If you want to know how a pastor should divide his time, go read Acts chapter 6, verse 4, that tells us that a pastor should not be split up with all kinds of administration, all kinds of divvying out of issues related to widows or what other problems might be. That's what deacons are for. My mm-hmm. deacons are the finance committee. My deacons are the widow committee. My deacons uh, are buildings and grounds. I don't run mowers, and and I don't even schedule mowers. I don't know who mows this property. It looks good. (laughs) I'm glad they do it. Um, I would tell a pastor who thinks that way, either let other people who God has told they're supposed to do that stuff, do that stuff, or be an executive pastor at some mega church where the teaching pastor is free from that. But me and my model, I'm that teaching pastor. I mean, I got, I got, I got Jason in the studio here. All things media, all things technical, all things graphic, all things this he does. 
occasionally I'm going to I'm going to call Jason and say, "Hey, I want A B C D E and F, but I'm not going to tell you how to do your job." And and the fact is, I don't even see the title slides to my sermons until Sunday morning. Yeah. I have no idea what they're doing. You want to know why? He does a far better job of it than I do. Mm-hmm. I think there's only been one time I looked at a title slide and I was like, "Well, that was, I mean, that's kind of weird, but but other than that, uh, I mean, Jason would tell you. Jason would tell you. There very rarely do I look over the stuff he does and go, "That's just really not working." They yeah. have full carte blanche responsibility, and that's the thing. That's the key in leadership. See, people would say, "Well, you're not a very good leader." I think actually the opposite's true. I think I'm leading this church well because my team they are empowered. Yep. I mean, I've got I've got an administrative pastor. He runs the budget. He runs operations. He runs the services. He organizes the couples conferences. The, the all mm-hmm. the stuff that we do. I don't do anything. Every once in a while, they'll ask me, Pastor, what what are you thinking here? What are you looking at here? I'll set the direction and I cut them loose. What do I do? I do what Acts chapter six verse four says. I give myself continually to the ministry of the word and prayer. Practically speaking for a pastor, how do you prioritize that? Give your mornings to it without interruption. I don't take a staff meeting uh, early in the morning. I don't take appointments in the morning. Uh, I take appointments in the afternoon. I do nothing during that time except for study. And then I don't know how pastors get around this one. You're supposed to be given over to prayer. My challenge would be if you're preparing one or two sermons a week, which is what I do, and you're praying through your church role, which for me is about 275 people, I don't have time to do all that other stuff. Yeah. So if you're a church, like if you're a mega church pastor or a church, what would be considered a large church pastor, you can't administrate if you're going to shepherd that flock, which is a whole nother philosophy thing because I could argue against the mega church even being right yeah. uh, because there's no way that a pastor, an actual pastor can pastor those people. Uh, but that I'm not going to get into that right now. I would just say... Uh, a church, back to the comment I made on being a sending church, I've sent two pastors out. I've got one missionary in Haiti from our church. i got one that's getting ready to go to ha- a Paraguay from our church. We're getting ready to take over a church on the west side of town here that's about, that's about to close its doors, and we're going to adopt it, and I'm going to train a pastor and put him in there once we get it going again. I'm sending my people out all the time. Um, I want, I don't, I've already told our church, we will never build a building on this property because... Oh. We're going to take that money and we're going to send it to missions. We're going to we're going to we're going to raise up churches and we're going to ra- and do it the right way. So I think it's just a philosophical mistake. I think nowhere in the Bible do you see a CEO model of a church. Nowhere mm-hmm. you see a teaching pastor with a group of leading elders. And I know some people hate to even talk about that, but there's no such thing in the Bible as a one man pastor show who does his own thing and the deacons are his little uh, committee of. Mm-hmm. You know, I know churches where staff doesn't even go to deacons meetings. I don't even know what that looks like. My deacon, any deacons meetings we have at our church, everybody's there. All the staff, all the deacons, because we're the leadership of the church. And um, and the other thing I would say is these guys got to teach their church that this is the way it's supposed to be. My church knows. I don't go to the hospital unless there's an like I'm talking about a major problem. Like I had a man die. I was standing with his wife. I had my arm around her as they're taking him off life support. And then she was able to go into the room and say her goodbyes. But I was with them when he died. That's a mm-hmm. pastor. Yeah. But just because just because you um, have an outpatient surgery, that doesn't mean I have to be there. What I have to do is make sure when you come to church on Sunday, I've got the goods 
Uh, so I'm passionate about this. I think we have missed the boat. And then, and then because Jesus is not attractive enough and because your preaching is not good enough, you then have to use every other tactic in the world to try to get people in your church. And mm-hmm. that is a huge mistake. And that's yeah. why these churches are struggling right now. Yeah. So, uh, man, I, there's actually a couple things I, I want to circle back to, but just while we're on the topic of, of kind of how you are, uh, you know, your pulpit ministry. So you mentioned you've got two Sunday morning services. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but do you have, do you have like a, anything going on like midweek or Sunday yeah, evening? Well, as we're well? getting ready to start again, a midweek worship. So I do two identical Sunday morning services and then I'll be preaching on Wednesday nights also. So I, I preach two new sermons a week. Okay, so you got two unique sermons a week, and mm-hmm. um, so uh, with that, then you—I th- I think I have an idea of it based on what you already said. But about how many hours a week are you putting into sermon preparation? Uh, Fifteen to twenty. Okay, at on least both, per sermon or on all of them? No, I would say total. Or on both of them, I should say. Um, yeah. on brand new content. I mean, of course, I I also preach in other places, and I lead. Um, I lead. I mean, that doesn't count the leadership training that I do, which is new content. I teach. Um, I teach a group of rising leaders in our church. I have an intern program. I teach our interns. So there's a lot of other dynamics as far as I teach. I would say 75% of my life is given completely to the teaching of God's Word in some capacity, predominantly at River City Baptist Church. Mm -hmm. I do some things in college. I do some things off-site. I'll be preaching in Indiana next week. As you know, I preach... I preach in you know other places. At least people that don't think I'm a liberal anymore. Um, I will I will preach I'll preach there. But uh, but we're getting but, there. We're getting there. Yeah, okay. Okay. Good. I look forward <laughs> to that. Um, it's so funny, man. I'm like the most conservative person in Jacksonville. Like literally, yeah. a Baptist church is in Jacksonville. We are like wildly conservative. But somehow, some way, uh, some people think that I've gone off the rails. And I think what I've done is I've gone to finally a ministry model that has no fear of man. Mm-hmm. has no – I don't answer to anybody in any kind of independent Baptist circle or any kind of fundamentalism world. I do what I think God wants me to do. And I would hold my model of my leadership and what pastors are supposed to look like up against any and say, look, man, this is what we're supposed to do. I would say the average guy out there is spending more time knocking on doors than he is studying the Bible mm-hmm. or more time – Micromanaging everybody else's job than yeah. he is studying the Bible, and if your if your script is flipped and you're not predominantly given over to Scripture and prayer, it's a problem. There's no way you can get around that. There's no way you can dice it up any other way. And the only way the only way you can improve on that is you just got to be honest with yourself. You've got to decide what's going to be important to me and what's not going to be important to me, and you've got to decide that I'm going to make some changes in my ministry to get me back to this place. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what you, what you, you know, I asked you how many hours and, you know, about 15, 20 hours a week, and then even more when you consider, and that's, that seems to be a common thing that I hear amongst growing churches is that their teaching pastor is putting uh, at least half of their week into the sermon preparation Absolutely. and teaching and training process Absolutely. there. So um, I would and, say mine, mine teeters way longer. If you consider not just new sermon content, but also training, teaching, leading. Yes, yes. It, it's far greater. It's probably, it's probably close to seventy five percent of my yeah. ministry because I'm just believe it's what I'm supposed to do. Ephesians four. Pastors train the saints to do the work of the ministry. That's what we're supposed to do, and I'm supposed to be teaching. I mean, I'm in multiple meetings, and those those meetings are not administrative meetings. I'm setting down teaching people what they're supposed to do to become leaders in the church. 
It's teach, 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 teach. I am a, I'm a content creator, man. I'm not, I don't do it like you do it, but I mean, that's what I do. I create new content all day long yep. for teaching, preaching, meeting, all these things to equip my church to be able to do the work of the ministry. So see, here's the thing. I'm not a church builder. I'm not here to build a church. I'm here to build people. And oftentimes when you build people, they build the church themselves. Hmm. And that's exactly yeah. what's happening here. No, that's uh, that's good. So uh, I know you mentioned you're a teacher. Um, we don't have to spend a lot of time on this. I'm just curious. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I believe the, the college you teach at is uh, basically an all-virtual college, that's correct? correct. Mm-hmm. So do you just batch record all of those uh, I do. You know, classes? Okay, yeah. I, I do. So, so my interaction on a weekly basis is predominantly student interaction. Well, you would remember when I did homiletics live, yep. you guys would preach, and then I'd get up there and talk to you about your sermons. Now what I do is they video their sermons I watch them and then I set Zoom recording, Zoom meetings and meet with them in like 10 minute slots so they still yeah. get their they still get their personal coaching. I think it's I think it's one of the greatest models of of, of preaching class. I mean, and what what college are you going to get to sit down with a teaching professor and get 45 minutes of coaching on top of your um the class lectures and the and all the feedback you're getting. It's a pretty it's a pretty good deal. Yeah, and and that's interesting. We won't spend a lot of time here, um, but I just I am uh, again. We we started the conversation talking about how the uh, you know the past year or so has really um, kind of revolutionized church and changed things. And the, I think the best way I've heard it put for really not just church but the world in general. Oh yeah, it seems like we got a decade worth of technological advancement in one year because we were simply forced to do it. Um, now the college, it's Veritas, right? That's the college. Uh, yeah. Veritas Baptist college, vbc.edu. Yeah. And they've been, they've been doing it this model for a while, actually. Yes, sir. Um, and I know the angle that they come from is, you know, you could leave, you know, if you're interested in training for the ministry, you could leave and go to a college. And if that's for you, that's for you. Uh, but you could also stay in your local church and you could get, you know, actual local church experience uh, mm-hmm. while getting the uh, quality teaching that you would from a Bible college. Absolutely. Um, and I, I do. I mean, it's it's a hard model to, to argue with. And really, just in general, I, I personally believe the education system uh, as a whole needs to be overhauled. And that that's honestly like my daughter. She's only three years old. Uh, but whenever she goes to college, I really wonder how the landscape of, of, oh, of higher education. All look. these all these independent Baptist colleges that are not that are that are tra- they're lagging behind. Mm-hmm. on uh online they're getting smoked right now i mean yep. i don't even need to talk about it it's just proofs in the pudding it's just clear those people that are still spending millions of dollars on dorms are wondering why they did that right now oh yeah uh, and the truth is man every college in the world that even understands the first thing about education is offering a robust online education department yep. and and, and and then you know, Luke, I, this would be something we could talk about later in a whole another episode. But the very fact of the matter is, um, I would argue I just wrote my doctoral dissertation on this, so I, I'm speaking from somebody who dug in deep. I could make a scriptural argument that local churches are supposed to be the training and sending place, anyways, mm-hmm. and that the Bible college model uh, is insufficient at best insufficient at best. And look, I, I'm a Bible college. I've been teaching Bible college for a long time. But the fact is to just, if okay, let me just bring it right down to where we live. My daughter is 13. She'll be going to college in four years. If I think 
that me sending my daughter off to name that college and that that's going to be where she's going to get trained for ministry. And then I'm going to send her to another church with some, with her husband or whatever to be an assistant pastor at somebody place she doesn't even know. Mm-hmm. That's not ministry training. That's not ministry training. There's theological training, then there's ministry training. And ministry mm-hmm. training can only occur in a local church. And if it doesn't happen in a local church, it's completely defunct. I mean, how many guys, you know, Luke, I, we could sit here all day. How many guys did you go to college with? that are not in the ministry right now. And I can tell you why they're not. I can tell you right now. They they went to a place out of college where they had no relationship with the pastor. They weren't trained. They, they, they didn't know their elbow from their foot as far as what they were supposed to do. They, got, they were treated like a slave. They had no mentorship, no relationship. Mm-hmm. And then they yep. started feeling their way around with different theological things. And because, hello, we don't live in a... In a in a in a cave somewhere in you know Madagascar. Yeah. So these guys are listening to podcasts, they're reading books, and then they start asking questions. Boom! They get smacked in the face, they get fired, and then five years later, they're not even they're not even in church. Well, they might be yeah. in church, but I mean they're not even serving in church or they're yeah. not even in ministry. Yeah. Well, that's because we have got a failed model of ministry training. Bible colleges do not train preachers. Churches train preachers. I'm sorry, Luke. You don't get trained for ministry by being a helper on a bus or by being a helper in a second grade kids yeah. class. When the fact is, you were doing more than that before you went to college. Mm-hmm. So, all, <laughs> some dude, he's like the youth pastor at his small church of 50 people. His his dad's the pastor. The poor guy leaves that and goes out to some mega church. And he gets stuck in, you know, you're a third grade helper. Yeah, it's exactly what happens. Well, you took a step back, not a step forward. And that that is that is such a common, you know, that is that is the Bible college model. Is you yep. go and they say, oh, well, we're going to give you ministry experience. It's like, well, no, we're going to be a cog in your wheel, and we're going to, uh, you know, we're gonna we're gonna you're ideally gonna. It's really to help us. Uh, not trying to be too cynical, but it's really so that the the students help build that that ministry. Yeah, whether and you that's, admit that's, it or not, it's absolutely that's what true. it comes it's down to. True. And and yeah. so, anyways, I didn't want to spend a lot of time there, but I nah, think it's but good. I boy, we could well, I could really now nah, I could go on that one for a long time. <laughs> Well, thanks again for joining us here at Church Media HQ. I know that your time as a church leader is so very valuable, and so it really means a lot that you would spend a little bit of that time with us. And I want to give you one more reminder to subscribe wherever you're listening to podcasts or if you happen to be watching on YouTube. And of course, if you are watching, take a moment to like this video to help it get seen by others. And we'd really appreciate it if you'd leave us a review. Let us know what you think. We'd love your feedback. And if you've got any ideas, feel free to drop it in that review or maybe in the comments again if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook. Well, until next time, I want to give you the reminder. You know what I'm going to say. It's time for you to try something new. Why? Well, you also know why, because you know that it is so much better to fail at trying the incredible than to succeed at doing the average. We'll see you next time here on Church Media HQ.